Live from WHCM-FM 88.3 Palatine, Illinois, my name is Noah Festenstein. Talking all the latest in Chicago sports and beyond. So welcome into the 228th installment of Monday Madness Sports Talk all the way from your very own Harper College Radio all the way to Radio DePaul Sports. And always online on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Here on March 28th, it is the 228th episode, so let's do it. And it has simply been madness for the past couple weeks, especially if you're a fan of college basketball like myself. And you may notice a little bit of raspiness in my voice tonight. Because I spent this whole past weekend at the United Center, at least most of it, watching the Midwest Regional semifinals and finals on Friday night and Saturday on Sunday afternoon. And uh, that was my first time ever attending a March Madness game. And it was extremely fun. I, I mean, I, everything I kind of expected uh, in watching a college basketball game in the later stages of March, cannot get any more intense and entertaining than that. Yeah, I've been to so many college basketball games, especially DePaul Blue, Me- Blue, Blue, Blue Demons basketball games. Uh, in my time, I've covered them. I've experienced the college basketball uh, energy. It, it's second to none. And I've always said this. I've always been like, I love college basketball more than the NBA. It's just a different style of basketball that I just maybe like better. Uh, and it, the tournament just sums it up, if you just think about it. So uh, I, I'm going to be talking about that first segment, of course, talking about this insane tournament we've seen so far this season. Nobody predicted a perfect Sweet 16. Nobody predicted a perfect Elite Eight. And I'm sure there were some that pr- predicted a perfect Final Four. Uh, but it was an entertaining tournament. And usually when nobody predicts the right things when it comes down to the Elite Eight and Sweet 16, it goes to show how good of a tournament it really is. And I'm going to talk about that, my first segment here, and uh, talk about the games, anything that uh, is notable, and, of course, my predictions for this Final Four that we see now with uh, North Carolina. We've got Kansas. We've got Villanova. And uh, it's it's going to be a great rest of the tournament and then of course without mentioning duke and coach k's final run in the tournament he could end it with a national championship and he's got the resources to do it so uh talk about that at the first leg of today's monday man of sports talk journey uh continuing on after that i want to get into some baseball talking some mlb we are currently in the thick of spring training Uh, 10 days to go until opening day, nine more sleeps, people, and then we've got baseball back. It's going to be glorious. Some baseball news went down today that I'll be sharing in that second segment, and um, I'm going to reserve league predictions next week because obviously there's still some spring training and still some free agent signings to go, even though the past couple weeks have been the most, uh, I would say, eventful when it comes to trades and spring training. I'll talk about that at the second segment. Third segment and fourth segment might teeter-totter. I don't know. It's not as 
important topics to me, at least as of now. I do want to talk some World Cup qualifiers for the United States, talking uh, about Wednesday's upcoming match for the United States. They are 99% sure, I would say 99.9% sure, that the United States will be making the World Cup qualifier. I'll talk about why that is the case in the third segment. And uh, I might mix that up with some uh, NBA talk. Uh, currently the Chicago Bulls are playing the New York Knicks, so if you're watching that right now, I think you're watching the Bulls losing currently. Uh, they're just not doing so good against elite teams, especially in the Eastern Conference, which is uh, uh, pretty concerning when we're talking about a team that uh, will make the playoffs. Uh, I hope. Let's not jinx it now. Uh, so then that, let me mix that up, maybe talk some NHL in that third segment, and kind of see where the show goes from there. But my main topics today, March Madness and baseball, will be the highlight of today's show. Uh, and if you really kind of just think about it, it I, I don't know how much Chicago sports is worth talking about right now. And that's something that when I was driving into Harper College today, I was just trying to think about, you know, the big happenings in Chicago sports. But, I mean, other than the Bulls, of course, maybe struggling of late, and the Blackhawks kind of just figuring out how they want to rebuild, It's it's... It's hard because I don't know where these teams are going. I don't know what the direction they want to take, but we know that the Bulls are in a position where once they get back to full strength, once they kind of start figuring stuff out, it's going to be a different type of postseason that, in terms of style of play, will differ from the regular season. So we don't know, and that's why playoffs are so fun. Uh, and that's why I just love this show. Unpredictability, I would say, is the main theme of any sport so let's keep it that way here on monday matter sports talk the 228th edition thank you so much for tuning in today and i hope you enjoy this week's episode we'll be back in just a bit stay tuned Here on March 28th, bringing you all the madness from Chicago sports and beyond. And we're bringing you the madness in this segment. Oh, yeah. It's mad. Mad for college basketball. That was Craig, David, Bastille, and Vigiland with I Know You. So let's talk about what transpired in the first four rounds of the NCAA tournament. Now, uh, I mentioned, of course, in the in the intro where I did attend my first two games this past uh, Saturday, and I I never have really thought about the environment in a stadium when it comes to college basketball. And you know, you talk talk about the United Center and how much it can take and the capacity. It could be filled seventy five percent and still be louder than most Blackhawks games or a Bulls game. That's how loud March Madness can really, really be, and the energy that is emanated from the crowd from the players from the broadcasters it's all around the kind of energy i love and look forward to in a sporting event and i really felt that on friday and sunday when i attended the united center for both 
events, all of the games. I attended the Kansas-Providence game, the uh, Miami versus Iowa State, and then the Miami-Kansas game for the Elite Eight. And something I've noticed and want to mention in this broadcast is there's just so much good energy that is just in the stadium, whether that's after the game and, you know, the losing team, of course, uh, quiet and the winning team, of course, energetic. But at the same time, it just meshes together well and the energy fits. And that's something that I never really thought about or noticed up until Friday night. And it's made me gain so much more respect for this tournament because I've been to soccer games. I go to every Chicago Fire home game and it's loud when there's 20,000 fans in there. And I've been to other soccer games where it gets really loud and 35,000 fans are in the stadium and other sporting events, I've been to the Chicago The loudest I've ever experienced in a stadium was 2016 Chicago Cubs playoffs. Nothing will ever break that. But the energy levels in that, no matter what, no matter what the circumstances are, in March Madness, it's high. And that's why this tournament is so... And it's just, it's electric. There's no other way, to, no other good word, I would say, to describe this tournament. And it's something that, you know, every year now, and I've been doing this for the past 10 years, is I will never, ever fail to make a bracket. That's how much I love this tournament. Uh, and I do pay attention during the regular season of college basketball, so I do have a good idea of who I think fits. But the difference is in this season, and something that we've learned the hard way in the past three years, any team can win. And this year, that was uh, illustrated by the St. Peter's Peacocks, of New Jersey, a smaller school, a D1 basketball program that hasn't really made noise in the in the tournament really ever, and now becomes the first seed, first 15th seed to make it to the Elite Eight. And I think as the years go on, you're going to see more 15 seeds or even other lower seeds beyond 11th make it that far. It's become it's begun kind of a trend of late in the past ten years because remember before uh, what was it Middle Tennessee beating I think it was Georgetown I don't think we've ever seen a 15 seed win and I think since then we've seen three in the past what seven years we've seen 15 three 15 seeds make it past the first round against their second seed opponent and I think that when we look at that pattern over time. And I think on a collective level, you're going to see many different college basketball programs start to meet the level of the competition. And it's only going to make this tournament so much better and more unpredictable. Anything can happen. And I, I think St. Peter's... Another thing, there's always a storyline. You know, This year's storyline was St. Peter's run. Big time. But I... And, I always do believe that the best team comes out on top. Always. Last year, I really did believe Baylor was the best basketball team. And they won. This year, I truly believe that Kansas, especially after what they did in the second half to uh, Miami on Sunday, I think they're the best team. Duke is the best team. They're the honestly the best case scenario to win because of Coach K. And I'd be happy with that. And for my bracket's sake, I hope it's Kansas because I picked Kansas to win the whole thing. But the rest of my Final Four just went down in the dumps. And, uh, you know, I still can't actually win in my group, which is crazy. I don't think anybody can win and at least have a good bracket 
a winning bracket with only one correct Final Four team picked. I've never seen that. And that's why this year's tournament has just been interesting. You saw number one, you saw like what? Three number one teams get knocked out in, in the Sweet 16. It's nuts. It's, it's, it's rare that that, that that happens. But I do believe that the right teams are in the Final Four. And I do believe that there was a higher power that decided, okay, we're going to go see Duke versus UNC one more time. And let's have it be in the Final Four, um, in, in the semifinals for the national championship. But I think what, this is the first time Duke and UNC faced off in, in the March Madness tournament. And they've been regular season rivals for so long. And for this to be possibly Coach K's last game, it's crazy. And North Carolina has had a great tournament up until this point. And to me, there's been some teams that I do not think should have been a, a, a higher seed than, 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 than they were, per se. Uh, so I think the point I'm trying to make, not nah, I think, I know the point I'm trying to make. The point I am trying to make is that this tournament, from now on, regardless of what happens the rest of the tournament this year, moving on, you gotta you gotta recognize some sort of pattern going on in the skill level of these young athletes are exponentially rising to the point where you're gonna see teams unlike Duke, unlike your mainstream teams that have made it far consistently into the tournament. Like I said, Duke, Villanova, other teams. And that's what I hope in, in saying is I hope DePaul, the next Chicago basketball college going into the tournament. At least, at least what I hope to see because the skill level is becoming more balanced. And I've noticed that in the past couple of years of college basketball. So moving forward, look forward to that in the next tournament. Um, you know, the high point, at least for me in this entire tournament, uh, has been the St. Peter's run. Uh, I, I wish that I was in front of my TV on, on, what, Friday night? But I was at the United Center watching the Kansas game. Obviously, I would rather be at the Kansas game than that, but I I had to I, I watched it on my phone. I didn't want to have to, like, be distracted from the game that I was at, but it was just that intense. It the, the, the Peacocks drew my attention away from the Kansas Jayhawks when I was watching it at the United Center, and that's how much of a difference. And whenever they showed the game recap on the big screen, everybody was cheering for St. Peter's. That is the American team right there. So, uh, you know, one by one, each year and each year, year in and year out, you're going to see more of those lower seed teams make it far. And I'm really looking forward to seeing who's next. Who is that next team to do it? And, um, you know, you talk about a 68-team tournament, and you could recognize the patterns based on what has happened in the past decade. Uh, it's actually quite remarkable because uh, they are prevalent. You know, teams that haven't been good are starting to become good. And teams that have been irrelevant are starting to become relevant. And I think that's what this tournament's been kind of about in a way, with some of these lower team C teams making it through. So I don't want to talk about my bracket. I'm actually kind of glad because a couple of weeks ago when I made my bracket on the 227th edition, uh, I, I was like, I'm going to do this differently. I'm not going to mention anything beyond the round of 32 
because everything's unpredictable. And I don't think I could have been any more right, to be honest with you, because nobody had a perfect Sweet 16. Nobody had a perfect Elite Eight. It's hard to predict this. And I'm not going to waste my time 15 minutes at the end of my first March Madness se uh, segment saying, oh, this team's going to win when they don't even make it past the round of 32. So what's the point of that for me? So I'm glad that I did that uh, a couple weeks ago. I really felt thought that it served its purpose based on the circumstances we have seen in this March Madness tournament because I picked some teams that didn't even make it past the round of, uh, of 32. I had my final four was Gonzaga, Baylor, Tennessee, and Kansas. Obviously, I only got one of those right. And then I had... Uh, what was it? I had... Uh, I should have had Texas Tech going far um, further, but um, I, I, I should have had Duke going to the Final Four. I don't know why I didn't think of that. But, um, you know, so there's so many nooks and crannies about picking teams in this tournament that really, really, really um, are, are disadvantaged to everybody who makes it. You know, it's it's the definition of the butterfly effect. You can't predict it. You just you just see it when it happens. Um, so, yeah, I am trying to think through the bracket. What there's been so many good games this, in this tournament. Uh I'm very – I don't know why I'm not as surprised about Villanova. I, I should have had them picked. I had them being eliminated by Tennessee. So, you know, it goes to show how unpredictable things can get. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what – what what I thought that um, the Miami-USC game is good. I mean, every St. Peter's game was good. It was close and, you know, it was story-driven. And there were some 13 seeds that really did make some noise. And I, was, I think there was like two 13-seed up upsets. Illinois almost lost to Chattanooga. And then they lost to Houston by a lot. And I'm not surprised by that. Uh, I was not surprised by Illinois losing. So... Now we got our final four. Villanova versus Kansas. Duke versus North Carolina. Um, obviously, you know who I'm going to pick to win since my champion is still in it. I really need the Kansas Jayhawks to win to win my uh, my bracket group. So uh, go go Jayhawks. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Uh, and then on the other side of the final four bracket, we've got Duke and North Carolina. Uh, that game in and of itself is going to be amongst the most watched in college basketball history. I am going to predict that right now. It is going to be a barn burner until the end. North Carolina has beaten Duke this season, so I don't really see a reason why to give any of these teams a favorite in the odds makers. Obviously, I think Duke's going to be a favorite in this game, but uh, I would not be surprised if North Carolina pulls ahead. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised if Villanova wins. Any team in this Final Four um, pool will will have a chance. Any of these teams have a chance. And uh, I, I just, looking at this Final Four, every team seems to feel, it feels like all these teams fit where they need to be based on their performance so far this tournament. I don't think 
I mean, maybe Kansas had a couple iffy performances. I thought the Creighton game was a little scary. Uh, the Providence game got scary near the end. And then they didn't really have too much trouble um, against Miami. And what's great about the Miami game for Kansas was they scored, they went like 44-15 to 15 in the second half. Which, rolling into the Final Four, hopefully that trend continues and this team is going to uh, uh, erupt in a way that you never really expected. And I'm just glad to, uh, Coach K has a Final Four. And I should have picked that. I think that's my biggest regret um, making a bracket this year's tournament was not picking Duke to go as far as I wanted, uh, as far as I had him going. I had him going to the Elite Eight, uh, but I didn't make him to the Final Four, and I wish I did because if I did, I would have actually won my bracket. So uh, it's okay. You're not gonna win everything. It's life. Uh, just like Will Smith, which I'll talk about. Actually, I wanted to talk about that. Uh, it's 8.30 right now here in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. You are listening to WHCM-FM 88.3 Palatine, Illinois, a broadcast service of Harper College and its Board of Trustees. You're listening to the 228th edition of Monday Madness Sports Talk. Uh, continuing on, yeah, I mean, uh, if I'm going to give out a UFC contract, it's going to be for Will Smith. Uh, if he does not lose um, any more money in his acting career after what happened last night. Honestly, though, come on, Will Smith. <laughs> like, seriously, what? I, I, I don't really watch the Oscars, but I know the significance of it. And what happened last night was just inexcusable. I thought the joke was bad, and I thought the reaction was bad. But, I mean, what comedian doesn't make a bad joke when hosting a show every once in a while, right? It didn't have to be that big. But, uh... Anyways, I, I I thought it was funny because uh, I saw a meme saying Dana White um, was thinking about uh, a matchup between Chris Rock and Will Smith. Maybe that's how those two will make money from now on. Uh, a little sports tie-in from last night's debacle at the uh, Oscars. Uh, but come on, Will Smith, seriously, man. He's like, what? A monk, he just made King Richard, just won an Oscar for Best Actor. And he has to do that? Come on, man. I will have to say, though, Chris Rock's got a chin. He went back up and he was like, what? <laughs> like, that was a good slap, but also Chris Rock, I am impressed. I am impressed with that chin right there. Uh, okay, so uh, my prediction, I think we're going to see a Kansas... Uh, I think we're going to see Kansas Jayhawks in Duke final. That makes the most sense. Yeah. But either way, I think it's going to be an instant classic. Uh, so we'll just have to wait and see. Anything else in the March Madness tournament that I uh, want to talk about? Uh, no Chicago teams made it far. Obviously, um, Loyola Chicago losing to Ohio State. What a terrible offensive performance it was. Uh, and Illinois... I just don't know how they can recover from having such high expectation seasons and, uh, you know, falling short in the tournament in the first two rounds. And uh, you don't like to see that as a program, expecting high things from a rising basketball program. Uh, it doesn't, um, I don't know, my, uh, my confidence levels with this Illinois basketball team is just not as high as what it used to be two years ago. And, um, 
You know, you got guys who are leaving, guys who are uh, inexperienced, and uh, I don't know. We'll see. But like I said earlier in the segment, anything can happen. Any team can emerge, and it's basketball, you know? Uh, another thing I noticed in the women's tournament, I thought I saw in the first round South Carolina. I forgot who the opponent was. Um, but they won, They they only gave up like four points. Yeah, it was against Howard. Howard, yeah. <laughs> Howard scored four points in the first half in that game and ended up scoring 21 points in that whole entire game. Giving up 79. That's 100 combined points in the first game. How does that happen? I think Howard went like 21-7 and seven this season. I don't know. I, I thought that was crazy. There's been some low-scoring games on both sides of the tournament. Women's and men's. Um, and I'm glad that women's uh, March Madness is gaining some traction. Um, let's look at the women's bracket while we're at it. Because uh, I filled one out, but I don't think I'm doing good. Right now, as we speak, the Elite Eight's going on. Louisville and Michigan and NC State and Connecticut. Actually, that one's in overtime right now. Connecticut up by three. That is for a spot in the Final Four. Wow, what a game that is, actually. I would recommend turning that on right now. Uh, and then, of course, that Louisville-Michigan game going on. Um, and we'll see. We'll see about that. Uh, the bracket as we speak for the women's tournament. Uh, we've got those four teams as mentioned, and then uh, I think Texas and Stanford played yesterday. Stanford winning 59-50. to They are on to the Final Four. And then we have Creighton and South Carolina. South Carolina winning by a landslide 80-50. to and I think at one point Creighton was in the game and then just South Carolina just pushed up ahead. I got South Carolina winning that entire tournament. Uh, it seems like they've just been rolling through their opponents this entire time and uh, it just seems like there's no stopping. Uh, except for that Carolina, North Carolina game, they won 69-61. to So that is the women's and men's March Madness going on right now. Uh, the men's starting back up on Saturday and uh, uh, the, championship the championship game is a week from tonight. Uh, I do not know if I'm doing a show next week uh, based on that, um, but we'll have to wait and see. So for that, I think we're good. I think we're good with March Madness. Uh, up next, we got some baseball to talk about, some signings today, uh, and some other notables to discuss coming up next here on the 228th edition of Monday Madness Sports Talk. I will be back in just a bit. Stay tuned. Come back to the madness here on March 28th. Talking all the latest in Chicago sports and beyond. And I've got some Chicago sports to talk about in this segment. Boy, howdy do I. This is Cash Cash Overtime. And it's time to talk some baseball. All right. Well, 10 days away. Nine more sleeps. And we've got ourselves some baseball. And uh, 
I'm excited. I, I hope that I, it, I, I don't know. Should I just do a prediction sort of ish this segment? Because it could quickly become the biggest segment of today's show uh, if I do that. And I'll make some slight predictions. Because what's nice about the 162 game season, I can still make predictions like a week in to it based on at least the the, the first few games and kind of the vibe I'm getting from them. So we'll have to see. But there uh, has been some moves. Most notably today in the NL Central, uh, Albert Pujols, who debuted in 2001. This is going to be his 22nd season in the MLB. Is planning on retiring after this season, but he wants to do it with the St. Louis Cardinals, and I could not be any more happy with that decision. Now, normally when the Cardinals or any other team in the NL Central gets a, a nice sweet for agent deal it usually scares me Albert Pujols doesn't really scare me anymore he's more of a sentimental figure that I feel like that's what the signing was about today with Albert Pujols signing a one-year deal with the St. Louis Cardinals and based on that I don't think that he's obviously he's not as much of a threat but he's still capable of going deep and hitting the long balls and doing all those great things that you love seeing him do but uh it is his time for his last season. And I feel like it was kind of anticipated for that to happen. And the real question is, what team was he going to do it with? And you know what? He's a legend. I respect him. He's one of my more coveted, yet more uh, hated in my eyes as a Cubs fan, baseball players I've seen. But that makes me love him just more just because of how great he is and what he has given me in baseball. So I'm glad that Albert Pujols is back in St. Louis Good signing for him. Um, it, it just brings back nostalgia. But he doesn't really add much to the lineup. I don't think he's going to be your everyday starting first baseman. But now with the DH being in the National League, maybe he, he could be utilized as such. So uh, uh, we'll see about that. Another big free agent signing today, Chris Archer. He is going to the Twins on a one-year $3.5 million contract. Uh, big, big signing for the Twins and also them getting Carlos Correa um, asserting themselves once again as probably the biggest threat to the White Sox this season in the AL Central. And honestly, good for them. Give the White Sox as much pressure as you can so this White Sox team can do better because they didn't get a lot of that last season. That's what I think ruined them in the playoffs was that the White Sox didn't have much competition in the AL Central. And now with that rise in competition, comes better performances in pressure situations. And it gives, honestly, more incentive to this White Sox team winning the AL Central. So, honestly, let's go. I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm excited that Chris Archer is going to the Minnesota Twins. And honestly, if, any, if there's any other team in the AL Central I'd want to win, it's the Twins. I like that team. I like the organization. I like the direction they're heading with the free agent signings they've made this season so far. And I honestly, I wouldn't be, I mean, I'm not a White Sox fan 100%. I'm a Cuts fan, and you'll figure that out <laughs> during the duration of this uh, segment. But um, you know, I know that this White Sox team is the favorite in this AL Central. But do not be surprised if the Twins or, heck, even the Guardians 
make a push. So we'll have to see about that. And I'm going to have to start getting used to calling the Cleveland's Guardians the Guardians. And I've done a good job so far of it uh, because of their name change. Um, so uh, we'll have to see. I'm excited to see kind of how they're appropriated during the season. So, uh, and then of course you got the Tigers, who I think are also on the come up. They've got like two top five, t- top ten prospects or something like that. And then they now got Javier Baez. You know, uh, other teams in this AL Central. I just, I think overall the AL Central has improved over the off season. Uh, I mean, I don't really see the Royals making too much of a push. And uh, yeah, I, I still believe the White Sox will win this uh, Central Division. However, it's become a bit more unpredictable because of the improvement. Uh, and you never know with this White Sox team, if they stay healthy, if they get, become inconsistent. Uh, I do think that this White Sox starting rotation needs to become a bit more assuring because I don't know what's happening with Lucas Giolito. Uh, you, you lost Carlos Rodon. Uh, you don't know what you're going to do with Michael Kopech if he's going to stay in the bullpen or start pitching again. And if he does starting start starting pitching again, uh whether or not his health is going to take into effect. The White Sox need a starting pitcher. That's what they need right now. I don't see this team going far without a starting pitcher. I don't. Um, Without another one, at least. You got Lance Lynn. That's nice. But he has shown over the years, maybe after a good season, he does fall down. He does fail a little bit. You need that assurance in the rotation if you want to make it far in the playoffs. Even on offense. And the White Sox didn't even perform on offense. In the, in the past postseason. So uh, keep that in mind. Kind of keep an open mind as a White Sox fan because nothing will be handed to you this season. And if it is, good luck in the postseason because nothing will be handed to you at that point. Let's talk about them Cubbies. Uh, actually, no, before that, uh, eight days ago we saw some uh, other big free agent signings. Uh, the Red Sox signed Trevor Story to a $140 million deal. Uh, that is for six years. So that's a solid deal for the Red Sox and for Trevor Story. I think the Red Sox saved a little money there. I think that's I honestly looking at the one hundred and forty dollar um one hundred forty million dollar deal on a six year contract. It sounds like the right kind of deal for Trevor Story, and that's why I like it. Uh, Twins signing Joe Smith to a one year deal. Twins again, obviously. Uh, over a week ago was Carlos Correa. Um. Drew Smiley are, uh, is going to the Cubs on a one-year $5.25 million contract. And uh, um, the last one, the last couple ones I'll make mention of is the Marlins landing Jorge Soler on a three-year $36 million contract and the Phillies landing Nick Castellanos and also Kyle Schwarber. Um, Castellanos going in at a five-year $100 million contract. Uh, definitely worth the money. at. Uh, I don't know. We're going to see some different. I don't know. We're going to see a lot of different outcomes this season. I just don't think people expect. But the one thing I do expect is the domination from the Dodgers. Look at this. I got to make mention of this Los Angeles Dodgers lineup because I do believe they are going to win the World Series this year. Uh, I don't care what other teams are talking about in terms of, uh, you know, underrated, not 
giving enough attention teams. I don't want to hear enough of that. I know this Dodgers team will win the World Series this year. And come October, once I remember me saying this, that and if they don't win, I'll remember how confident I was in this team because how can you not be confident with a lineup like this? Let me show it to you. This is the potential lineup for this Dodgers team. Um... You got Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, A.J. Pollock, Will Smith, and then beyond that, you still got Trey Turner. Well, not, I just said Trey Turner. What am I saying? Um, Cody Bellinger, Chris Taylor. How many Taylors are on this team? Or... Okay, I'm I, I'm getting confused over the Turners here. Justin Turner and Trey Turner. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Um, I never realized that there's two Turners on the on the Los Angeles Dodgers. You still got Gavin Lux, Max Muncy, uh, and look at the pitching depth. Tyler Anderson, Trevor Bauer. I I don't know Trevor Bauer if he, if he's ever gonna play again. He's it says he's on the roster, uh, but uh, Trevor Bauer is a super unpredictable dude. I don't even know if he's going to play this season or if he's going to play good at all. Uh, Walker Buehler, uh, Clayton Kershaw still around. David Price is still kind of around. I think, if anything, the the Los Angeles Dodgers should fix it's the pitching because he did lose Max Scherzer to, um, what was it, um, the Mets, right? So, uh, I don't know. I'm going to go one by one per division who I think is going to win the division. And then uh, I'll talk some Cubbies and I'll end the baseball segment. I'll do more of a, uh, an uh, abbreviated prediction for who I, who I think is going to win the division. Obviously, as mentioned, I think the Los Angeles Dodgers are going to win not just the World Series, but the NL West. AL West, I'm thinking Angels this season. Anybody else thinking Angels? I'm thinking Angels. Not the Houston Astros, that's for sure. Uh, and I think the Seattle Mariners can make a push. It's not like they changed much from last year's pretty solid season. I think the Angels and Mariners have a good chance of maybe making a push for the AL West. I'm hoping Angels. I want to see Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. I want to see them in the playoffs because they deserve that. And Joe Madden, the right guy at the helm. Why not? Right? Let's look at the AL Central. As I've mentioned, the Chicago White Sox will probably win that division. But uh, I will not try to underestimate the, the Minnesota Twins and uh, uh, maybe the Cleveland Guardians and maybe the Detroit Tigers. But uh, I think the White Sox are well steps ahead of those teams. But uh, don't underestimate anything. You're playing professional baseball. Anybody can um, emerge, and you never know what's coming. Uh, but I do have the White Sox winning. NL Central, I believe the Brewers will win the division in the NL Central. Uh, I think the, uh, and maybe the Cardinals, I don't know, but Brewers definitely in the NL Central, but I'll get into that in just a second, because I got an interesting hot take coming for you. Um, I'm thinking, uh, for the AL East, that is the best division in baseball. It's the most unpredictable and, uh, honestly, entertaining, most entertaining division in baseball. I got to go with, uh, man, because the Blue Jays are looking great. 
Red Sox, I feel like they're not going to do as good this season. Uh, Yankees, they're very unpredictable. I, I don't know. I have a feeling they're just going to... They, they need a catcher. And I'm going to get to that in just a second. Because I do have news on that. Um... I'm going to have to go to the Blue Jays or the Rays. It's going to be between the Blue Jays and the Rays for the AL East. I think it's going to be the Blue Jays. I don't know. Something about this Blue Jays team, man. They just look good. They feel good. And they, I, I don't know why I said feel good, but you get the point. They look good. Um, you know, there's going, to, there's going to be that one team in one division that you don't expect to win it, but they will. Uh, the NL East, for that matter, I think the Mets will win that division. They got really good pitching, and uh, I don't know. I, I just, something about the Mets, maybe the Braves again, but they did fill in that spot at first base with the Freddie Freeman uh, leaving. Uh, so we'll have to see. But um, that's all my predictions for the uh, divisions this year. I want to talk some Chicago Cubs because um, there is some rumors going around with Wilson Contreras being on the trade block, the most recent update was a, a day ago, and uh, it's steering towards more the Yankees. If any team needs uh, a catcher like Wilson Contreras, it is that of the Yankees. Um, also, the San Diego Padres were mentioned in that rumor. Um, but if you're going to trade Contreras, just trade him now. If you, I mean... I, I just feel like it could be like last season, and this is where my hot take is going is taking me. The Cubs need to figure out right now if they're contenders or pretenders with what they have. Because honestly, people are really underestimating them, and I feel like that's going to be the strength for them this season. Is because they have resources. This Cubs team has pitching. They don't have a bad lineup. They don't. And look at the rest of the NL Central. I think the Reds, if anybody's going to compete against the Brewers, it's going to be the Reds. No doubt. But what about the Reds pops out of you? Or the Brewers, for that matter, if they decide to, to perform. Any team can catch fire at any time. Heck, the Cubs last year with the roster that they had right after uh, trading all of the main players, they went on an 11-game winning streak. You never know what could happen. They can streak, they can go on a run, and that could be the solace of their season and how they can really catch up and become a contender. Um, and with this Cubs team being underestimated, people might not take them seriously. And then, bam, they will perform. And also, keep in mind, it is an expanded playoffs this season. 12 teams, I believe. Uh, I'll get more into detail when the time comes, but... Uh, it just expands the opportunities for teams like that, I think, the Chicago Cubs, who might. I think the main goal for this Cubs team this season is to make it over 500. And if they're bad, be real bad. Be a 55-win season for all I care, because then they'll just get a better draft pick. But I do want to see this Cubs team perform. I think they've made proper signings. I just hope the Rickets don't buy out Chelsea because they are in the top. They're they're in the final four of the the Chelsea buyout, and if they don't do that, they should take the money and uh, spend it on uh, players because uh, that's four billion dollars that they're willing to spend 
for a, a, a sports organization that's nearly halfway around the world. No, it's not. England's not that far. Six time zones away. But you get the point, right? Like, the do the Ricketts really need to put their focus on something else when right in front of you, you've got the, what, fourth most valuable baseball organization in the league at, four, at what, $3.8 billion? You're really going to uh, affect that by buying a team that isn't even in your own country? And if the Ricketts buy that, I'm just going to hate Chelsea more. <laughs> As a Manchester United fan, um, that's a conversation if it does ever happen. But uh, I think in early April, that's when they're going to figure it out. Uh, so maybe the next week, you know, the Ricketts might be the owners of Chelsea FC. I hope not. I really don't. Um, so we see uh, the Cubs' current pitching staff. Drew Smiley, the most recent addition. Marcus Stroman. Keegan Thompson, of course, you got Kyle Hendricks up in there, Michael Givens, uh, Wade Miley, Alec Mills there. I've already mentioned your top five rotation. And if you think about it, is it really easy? I mean, going back to White Sox talk here for a quick second, did I ever mention any – I I, I did mention some players on the starting rotation like Lance Lynn and maybe Lucas Giolito, but who else? Who else? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I got I got to look at what the White Sox are going to do here because uh, I want to look at their depth chart. So, you know, Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, Dylan Cease, Michael Kopech, and Dallas Keuchel. And I can name you three players on that list who I cannot guarantee any consistency in this season. Honestly, heck, I'd say Lucas Giolito could fall off the map. Lucas Giolito, do you want to reminds me of? He reminds me a little bit of Jake Arrieta when the Cubs had him and he had a really good three-year stretch and then fell off the map. His style of pitching and his just his cadence kind of reminds me of Jake Arrieta. So you never know of what can happen with a Lucas Giolito. So um, we'll see. Lance Lynn, I think he's going to be your best pitcher this year. Dylan Cease could very well take over that throne. Dallas Keuchel, if he makes improvements and becomes the Dallas Keuchel that the White Sox wanted to sign... This could be a more dangerous rotation. But where the White Sox do thrive is their bullpen with Liam Hendricks, Craig Kimbrell. I think you should trade Craig Kimbrell, to be honest with you, for a a starter. That makes the most sense. Uh, Aaron Bummer, Joe Kelly, Ryan Burr, Matt Foster, Ronaldo Lopez. It's a solid rotation. As long as it stays healthy, of course. Uh, But back to the Cubs... I, I I don't know. This Cubs rotation does kind of seem solid. I think the best starting pitcher in Chicago right now is Marcus Stroman. If you think about it. And Wade Miley. He had a I mean, he had an average season last year, but then before that he played pretty good. You never know what a new team can do to you. And that's why I kinda like what this Cubs team is kind of offering right now. And yeah. We could talk about Anthony Rizzo. We could talk about Javi Baez or Chris Bryant all day. But I made this point, and I made it on these airways, is that exponentially is the word I'm going to use for this. The Cubs team, even with those players, could not do anything beyond the 2016 World Series Championship. It's basically 
a really bad roller coaster. You go back really rough, no airtime, nothing significant, no significant elements to this Cubs team that made them seem like they're going to succeed with their core group of guys of Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and Javier Baez. There is no sense of accomplishment, especially after the 2018 season going to 2019, having a shortened season in 2020, and then, bam, losing to the Marlins in the playoffs. And then, of course, playing a season in which they were out of playoff contention until they ended up trading them all away. So it's hard to swallow losing those people, and it's hard to swallow not realizing that they're probably not going it's, to— It's hard to swallow realizing that they're probably not coming back. Um— so, well, you know, you have to rebuild from there. But in, if anything, for this Cubs team, it's I just feel like it's not a rebuild. I feel like it's more of a retooling. I'll get to more of that after I announce that this is your favorite college radio station you're listening to, 88.3 FM, Harper College Radio, a broadcast station of Harper College and its board of trustees. You're listening to the 228th edition of Monday Mass Sports Talk, currently talking some MLB baseball. And my hot take for the Chicago Cubs this season is that they have playoff potential. And I really want that to happen. I really want them to surprise some teams. I think Seiya Suzuki is going to be possibly amongst the Rookie of the Year candidates. That's a hot take there. You look at the infielders, not a bad lineup. Obviously, no Carlos Correa in there, but do you need a Carlos Correa? Nico Horner, Nick Madrigal, Frank Schwindel, Andralton Simmons, Jonathan Villar, and Patrick Wisdom. Your infield's probably going to be Patrick Wisdom at third, Frank Schwindel at first, Madrigal or Nico Horner can switch off in the middle infield, but honestly... I really like this middle infield. It's a contact-driven, defensive-minded middle infield. I trust the two men, Nico Horner and Nick Madrigal, in the middle infield to get the job done. Nick, I'm, I am really stoked about Nick Madrigal. I really do believe that he is going to make an impact with this Cubs team, a Cubs team that is looking to play not much of the long game per se as what they've been looking like in the past five years, but more of the contract, contact-driven, small ball, get the ball through the infield, don't strike out sort of type of team. So I like that. And you look at your outfield, solid outfield. If Jason Hayward can make adjustments and become the Jason Hayward that you want him to be, he could become good. But I don't know. Maybe he's on the downslope. But you got to stay optimistic in those situations because he's not old. He's only 33 years old. 32. Born in August. You also got Michael Hermosillo. You're still trying to figure out who this 25-man roster is going to be. But the thing is, if you trade Wilson Contreras, who's got a year left on his contract, yes, he's got a high value if you do it right now, but what catcher are you going to have? Miguel Amaya, Neon Gomes, do you want that? You want a guy like Wilson Contreras on your team, especially if you plan to compete. So if I was the Chicago Cubs right now, just stop everything you're doing and 
See how the season plays out. Pick your 25-man roster and see how everything plays out because I sincerely do believe that this Cubs team can be playoff worthy. They might not seem like it on paper, but you don't know that until they hit the field. And I don't think any baseball player is any more excited than they've ever been to get back onto that playing field, especially after what happened this past offseason. So, uh, yeah, that's my hot take on the Chicago Cubs. I think they are playoff worthy. I think, you know, I want to be optimistic for them. But, of course, I always say if you set too high expectations, you're going to be more heartbroken. But with the Chicago Cubs in this case, if they're not good, well, you know, the paper was right. They weren't supposed to be good. But you don't know that until the game actually starts. You know, we learned that with March Madness. We're going to start learning that with professional sports here because um, anything can happen. So, uh, yeah, that is that. I think uh, my baseball talk is, uh, um, I would say, justified. I think that's pretty good. Um about 50 minutes into my show so far. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I, I want to know uh, what's going to happen with this World Cup this year for the uh, FIFA 2022 World Cup. We've already got a lot of teams qualified. United States are about to qualify. I got to talk about that uh, and some more soccer stuff uh, when we come back here on the 228th edition of Monday Man of Sports Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. We still got a little bit left. Stay with me. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to the madness here on March 28th. Talking all the latest in Chicago sports and beyond. This is I Wanna Know featuring Bam Miller and Pusher. And I know TV bringing me into this, the, I would say, miscellaneous segment. Uh, I want to begin talking uh, about World Cup soccer. I know that's a little bit a ways, but uh, uh, mainly the reason because not many professional leagues from Europe to North America to wherever in the world are not happening right now. It's because of the international break. And right now we've got uh, the basically the end stages of the World Cup qualifiers, and I believe within the next week we'll be seeing the full picture of what teams we will see in the World Cup. We already know Italy won't be in it, which is a crazy surprise considering they won the Euros 2020. And uh, I think Portugal and um, what should we call it? Uh, I think there's a big game coming up. between It's Portugal and who is it? Anyways. The big picture being that we are Americans here from the beautiful country that is called the United States. The United States soccer team is probably about to qualify for the World Cup for the first time in eight years. Now, uh, uh, I remember four years ago when the World Cup qualifiers were going down and the United States were uh, actually looking like they were going to make it, but then all of a sudden... They fell apart and lost their last game against Trinidad and Tobago. Now, this is a much different scenario this time around. Now, the United States soccer team needs 
this to happen against Costa Rica on Wednesday night, the last World Cup qualifier and probably the last game you're going to see the United States play before the World Cup will be against Costa Rica. Uh, so this pl- takes place on uh, sa- what Wednesday night, and the situation is like this. So the United States are currently second in the World Cup qualifiers behind Canada, who has just qualified for the second time in program history. United States second place, 25 points. Mexico with 25 points. And Costa Rica in fourth place, who would still qualify for the play-in tournament. They qualify for that regardless, I think, of what happens. Um, There is a play-in tournament to decide the last fourth uh, team. But uh, the United States, on Wednesday night, either need to draw, win, to get that extra point and assure themselves, or, since they have the best goal differential against Costa Rica, which is a plus 10. So what Costa Rica needs to do in order to match that is to win... Five, they need to win six to nothing to beat the United States. So think about it: the Costa Rica beating the United States by that much is extremely unlikely. Which means that I would assume that the United States are already in, but not officially. They just need to not suck on Wednesday. Heck, they could even forfeit. A forfeit in international FIFA competition is a three nothing win. So if the United States don't show up on Wednesday, they're already qualified for the World Cup. They can make it. But are they soft like that? No. This is America we're talking about. Americans show up. They show up to work. All right? And that's what this United States soccer team is going to do on Wednesday night. They're going to show up. They're going to play. But I do not want to see, like, a Christian Pulisic or anybody important on the field. I do not want to risk injury Maybe, like, for 45 minutes and then, you know, get the result you need in the first half and take them out. But Polisic had a great game against Panama the other day. 5-1 was the result. Christian Polisic, a hat-trick. And um, so looking good for the United States national team uh, for qualifying for the World Cup. But the teams that have already qualified are, um, as mentioned, so already as I have already mentioned, is uh, Canada. I'm trying to pull up the qualified. Um, let's see here. Yeah. Um, there's 20 of 32 qualified as of now. So let's see. In Europe, 10 of the 13 possible have already qualified. That includes Germany. Denmark, Belgium, France, Croatia, Spain, Serbia, England, Switzerland, and Netherlands. And um, the playoff finals, to figure out the final spots, will be Poland versus Sweden and Portugal versus North Macedonia. North Macedonia, absolutely stunning Italy in that semifinal match. So you're going to have to kind of predict that Portugal's going to go through. But North Macedonia scored a 92nd-minute goal against Italy to knock them out of the World Cup contention. That's insane. 
Um, and then you also got Scotland versus Ukraine. Uh, so you got these. And then I think the winner of the Scotland versus Ukraine game faces Wales. That is correct. In the final. South America, all four teams have qualified. Brazil, Argentina, Ecuador, and Uruguay. Still in contention are Peru, Colombia, and Chile. In the CONCACAF American side of things, Canada has qualified. Of course, still in contention is the United States, Mexico, and Costa Rica. Uh, still got to figure out some uh, Africa teams. Asian teams that have qualified. Qatar, they are qualified as the hosts of the tournament. Iran, South Korea, Saudi Arabia, and Japan have qualified. Still in contention are Australia, UAB, UAE, uh, United Arab Emirates, Iraq, and Lebanon. Lebanon. That's a fun country name to say. So that is FIFA World Cup qualifiers. Let's look at the MLS situation now. As a Chicago Fire fan, they are looking good. This team looks awesome. And if you want to go to a game, please do it. The tickets are not expensive. The energy is palpable. It is a good time at Soldier Field on game days, so please check it out. Um, they are currently third in the conference. They are amongst the uh, best goal differential teams in the league. Uh, they have only allowed one goal so far this season and has scored five. Um, no losses yet. They are undefeated. So uh, Chicago Fire have a game on Saturday night against F or Saturday afternoon per se against FC Dallas. And then a couple weeks after that is LA Galaxy. So uh, looking forward to that game uh, very much so. Um, and then uh, that's that for American soccer. And that for that. And continuing this miscellaneous segment, we'll uh, get into some NBA basketball. Let's see how the Chicago Bulls did tonight. As I'm about to do a post game, they lost. Sad. So the 34 and 42 New York Knicks, the Chicago Bulls are now 43 and 32. They are currently struggling a little bit. And last time I talked to you, they were still kind of struggling. So look at these standings right now. Um, wow, the Bulls could possibly have to play in the play-in tournament. I did not expect this. I did not expect the situation, but they will not let that happen. The Miami Heat. Celtics, Bucks, and 76ers are all atop the standings within one game of each other. And then three games beyond that are the Chicago Bulls. Beyond them are the Raptors at five games back. Or one game behind the Bulls. And a game and a half behind the Bulls are the Cleveland Cavaliers, which makes the Cleveland Cavaliers win the other night just that more significant. Um, but actually, the Bulls actually dropped a half a game. So now they are four and a half games back of the Eastern Conference lead. Looking at the Western Conference, Suns, Grizzlies, Warriors. Uh, Warriors have been falling off the map of late. I don't know how that's been happening, but the Suns are looking fantastic. Um, what, it's like seven games left in the season, if I'm correct? Yeah, I mean, it's like seven or eight games left in the season. The Bulls, let's look at what they've got left in the season. They've got the Wizards tomorrow at 6. Clippers, Heat, Bucks, Celtics, Hornets, and Timberwolves. All very good teams. 
They need to win in order to make themselves a threat because they do not look like a threat right now. They're like, what, 0-16 against teams that are like top three in the conference? That's terrible. Um, I, Yeah, it, there's, there's some things that need to be tapped in for this Bulls team that have yet to be tapped in this season, and I don't know if they're going to do it in time for the playoffs, and I don't know if that's going to be enough to make at least somewhat of a push. So this Chicago Bulls team, a little underwhelming of late, but like I've said, all along, playoffs are a different breed. You never know what's going to happen with that. Um, so you're going to have to just kind of wait and see, you know. Um, let's see here. Anything else I want to talk about today? NHL? They're uh, coming down to the wire here. So let's see the NHL standings. Uh, Eastern Conference, Panthers, Lightning, Maple Leafs, and Bruins are atop the standings. Uh, with the Red Wings, right? Um, not no. You, technically, that's official. The Panthers, Lightning, Maple Leafs, and Bruins are going to go to the playoffs. As the next best team in the in that division is twenty seven points behind the fourth place Bruins. Uh, looking at the uh, Metropolitan Division, uh, I got the Hurricanes, Penguins, Rangers, and Capitals, and then fifteen points behind the fourth place Capitals are the Blue Jackets. So you got to assume. The Capitals, Rangers, Penguins, and Hurricanes in the Metropolitan Division is going to the playoffs. Now, in the Eastern Conference, it doesn't seem that um, competitive. It just There's no competitive nature to it. All the teams at this point of the season seem like they have a lock in the playoffs, and that hasn't really been the theme, at least all too much, in the past few years, which is honestly kind of underwhelming because I love those late-season pushes for the NHL playoffs. It just make, it makes the most sense. Um, let's look at the Western Conference. Central Division. Avalanche, Wild, Blues, and Predators are atop. But uh, a little bit closer. As the Stars are five points behind the Predators. And Jets are five, six points behind the Predators. And the Blackhawks and Coyotes way down in the standings. Blackhawks right now are 24-32-10. and 10. Well, amongst the most overtime losses in the league. Um, Pacific Division, Flames, Kings, Oilers, and Golden Knights atop. The Golden Knights actually have a chance to miss the playoffs for the first time in their franchise history as the Canucks are three points behind them. So uh, I think the Pacific Division is going to be the most interesting division to look out for when it comes to who's going to make the playoffs. Uh, and... Um, the Canucks have a chance, and maybe the Sharks with eight, seven points behind. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. So, that all said, um, I've got nothing else to really say. Um, this past it was MMA, mixed martial arts world, I, it, there's a Harper College tie-in in this because this past Saturday night uh, was a fight night where Curtis Blades, former NJCAA National champion for uh, your very own Harper College Hawks uh, is top five in the UFC in heavyweights, beating Chris Dawkins on Saturday night by an emphatic second-round knockout. So a good Harper College tie-in there, Chicago um, Chicago blood. Uh, so it's nice to see some success, especially in the baddest division in all of combat sports, the heavyweight division. Um, 
But that's it. That's all I got to say. That's all I've really wanted to say on the show. Shorter show today. Not a problem at all with that. Uh, always got to love a nice, brief, but to the point show. And I feel like that's what I've delivered to you today. So uh, recently it's been a bit more unpredictable in terms of when I'm going to do a show. But obviously it's any Monday. Uh, especially here at Harper College Radio. Um, you know, it could be once every three weeks, once every month, once every heck, every other week. Uh, but keep in tuned. I'm on Instagram. Follow me, Noah underscore Fest. That's Noah, N-O-A-H underscore Fest. That's F-E-S-T. Uh, short for my last name, Festenstein. Uh, you can follow me there on Instagram for more updates on showtimes and uh, when it's going to be on podcasts. But uh, it teeter-totters. Every week I do a podcast. Every other week I do a regular radio show here. Um, but I also got a nice spanking new laptop. Uh, got a nice MacBook Air, updated MacBook Air with the M1 chip. Uh, I, I don't know if you knew me back at Harper College, but if you did, you would see that I could not operate my former laptop without a charger for like three years. So uh, nice to be able to operate a laptop without having to use a charger. And it's nice to see that I only lost 5% of battery power during this entire show, which goes to show that um, MacBook Airs are the way to go. Uh, all right. So uh, thank you so much for tuning in to this, the 228th edition of Monday Man Sports Talk. Go Jayhawks, go Cubs, go White Sox, go Bulls, and go Blackhawks for as long as we have them for the rest of the season. We'll see you next time here on Monday Mass Sports Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in.